Welcome to LifePoint. Thanks for being here today. If you're watching online, thanks for tuning in and having a listen to the first part of our new series called The Lost Art of Friendship. Now, by a show of hands, how many of you have done something stupid in life? All right, that's 100%. I'm going to guess that you weren't alone when you did that stupid thing, that you're probably with a group of people. When I think back about the stupid things that I've done in life, almost every single time. In fact, I can't think of one where I was alone. I was always with somebody saying, hey, you know what we ought to do? Why, well, Donnie, you give it a try. I've done some of the most crazy things. I'm blessed to even be alive to have made it past 19 years old. I don't know how that happened other than my mother prayed a lot and God is very gracious. That's how I made it. You know that whole uh, car surfing thing, 80s and 90s, y'all remember that? I own the patent on that. That was my idea. Not really. But I've done stupid stuff like that, jumped off of bridges into lakes. It's just the, the dumbest thing you can imagine. And when I did those things, or even did things that I'm very ashamed of, that have caused a lot of regret in my life, I did those things because of my choice of friends. They're not their fault. It's my people I chose to hang out with, people I chose to do life with. On the other hand, the, the good things I've done, who's done some good things in life? I've, I've been blessed to be able to do some good things and have some impact on the world and other people's lives and, and change the direction of my life and make a difference that I never thought I could make. And, and I did that not in a vacuum. I did that because of the people I chose to surround myself with. So our friends have a huge impact on our lives. And I'm really excited to start this new series today because if we really can take what we're going to learn from God's word and start to apply it to our lives every day, it, will, it can change the very direction of your life. The Bible actually has a lot to say about friendship and how we can have deeper, more healthy, and better friendships. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one of those. If you're here for the first time, uh, we give these out every week because we believe the words in there are true. And if you read them, they will lead you to a God who loves you and wants to be with you for eternity. In the Bible, it's pretty clear that God wants us not only have a relationship with him, he wants us to have healthy relationships here on earth. And you might think, friends, come on, we're mostly adults in here. We kind of get this friendship thing. Is this just for teenagers to listen to? Absolutely not. This is for everybody because I guarantee you have found yourself or you may be in the middle of a group of relationships that, that aren't serving you well, that are not helping your life go in the direction it needs to be going in. So this is important. So, so, Come back over the next few weeks as we watch the journey of those two guys you saw on the screen as their relationship grows and as we learn more about this lost art of friendship. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's the driving statement that's going to go through all four weeks as we explore this topic. My friends influence my future. It's true. My friends influence my future. Maybe we should define what a friend is, first of all. A friend is somebody that you are willing to share your deepest, darkest secrets with. It's somebody that you're willing to allow them to influence you. It's someone 
with whom you can drop the veil and you can be the real you. That's a friend. Somebody that you look at certain qualities of their life and you think, I want to be like that. That is a friend. The Bible actually gives us quite a bit, bit of advice on friendship. There's a king in the Old Testament named King Solomon, and God believed that King Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Now, when the wisest man who ever lived speaks, we should probably listen and pay attention to what he has to say. He wrote a lot of sayings down the Old Testament book of Proverbs. Several of those are about friendships. And the one in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, is the one that we're going to revisit every week. And it says this, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And King Solomon is trying to give us not just a promise, but he's also trying to give us a warning. He's trying to say, be in the company of wise people. And if you are, you will become wise. Would anybody like to be wiser? I, I'm, I'll, I'll go first in line. I want to be wiser. I can remember when we found out, Cindy and I found out we're having a baby. Couldn't wait. Then we found out it was a girl. And then it occurred to me that I didn't know how to be a dad. <laughs> it's like, okay, how can I figure this thing out? And I started looking around in my life at people that were in my life that had older kids. And I thought, who do I know who's got older kids and they're obedient kids, they're kids that know how to treat others, they're kids that just look very well emotionally adjusted. And they look like godly little kids. How, who's got that? So I started looking around and I found some friends who actually had really good kids and I started asking them questions. How do you get your kid to do that? Because when my kid's born, I want my kid to do that and be like that. And I started to learn from their wisdom. And they told me things like, and we knew it was a girl at this time. We ended up having another girl two and a half years later. But this one friend of mine, he said, Donnie, always take your daughters on dates. Take them on dates. And when they were little, they're 16 and 18 now. They thought that was really cool when they were little. They, they would dress up. I would dress up. We'd go out on dates. We still, still have pictures of the daddy-daughter dates. I didn't just come up with that. Somebody a lot wiser than me told me that. I can remember one of my friends saying, help them be a fully secure person in who they are. And if they are, they won't be looking for other people, namely boys, for identity. Sorry, guys. I mean, it's true. So, so create their own identity so they're not looking elsewhere for it. And, and I, I did that. I did the best I could at that and, and, and raising our girls. And, and you know what happened? That wisdom rubbed off. And now, as our girls are older, people have actually said, how have you done that? How has that happened? They're not perfect, but how, how, is you, how have you raised your children to be this way? Well, I got wisdom from somebody else. And then I get to impart that wisdom to somebody else. When it came to marriage, I surrounded myself with a few friends that I th looked like to me had very healthy marriages, and they taught me, and I learned from them, and their wisdom rubbed off. So if you want to be wise, get around wise people. Watch what they do. Act like them. However, if you want to suffer harm in life, Solomon makes it pretty clear. Be in the company of fools. Now, we get a little weird when we start talking about somebody's a fool, because if you know much about the Bible, Jesus said, don't call somebody a fool. But, but so we're like, oh, we can't say the word fool. But Solomon says, 
don't be in the company of fools. And if you are, you're going to suffer harm. A fool is, according to this, someone who knows the difference between right and wrong, but they don't care. They know what, they, what right is. They know what wrong is. And they just, I don't care. doesn't matter to me. I'm going to live the way I want. And so what Solomon is trying to say to us, if you choose to live your life in that company, you will suffer harm. How many stories can we tell of good people, good kids who happen to get with the wrong crowd who are doing foolish things and they die. They got killed. Some tragic accident. They made a bad decision and now they're addicted. But we say, oh, they were such good kids. They were, but they got in the company of fools and what happened? They suffered harm. And so Solomon is giving us this advice. Walk with the wise and you'll be wise. But if you keep companion with fools, you're going to suffer harm. Every time in my life, when I, when I didn't do something right, I, somebody was there with me. And when I did something right, somebody was there with me. And any success that I could point to or you could point to in your life, it's probably because somebody was there and you chose to be around the right people. This is a principle laid out by Solomon thousands of years ago that's still true today. My friends influence my future. Now, I just, I just want you to take a minute and think about, if you, have, if you have a piece of paper that came in your program there and a pen, write down your five closest friends. Family doesn't count. Your pets don't count. Imaginary friends don't count. And on, on, exclusively online relationships don't count. Just people you can look at and touch. Your five closest friends, write those down. I'm going to be silent for about 15 seconds. Think about them or write them down. Now, whoever those people are, whatever list that you came up with, you need to understand those people determine and influence your decision-making, your faith, your health, your finances, I will be pulled in the direction of my closest friends. That's true for every person in this room. When I choose to join up with somebody and say, we're going to do life together, I will be pulled in their direction of my five closest friends. I got five people going to come up and help us illustrate that a little bit. So you five come up, watch your step over there and come about right here at the edge of this red carpet. So that's four. Where's number five? Oh, there he comes. Everybody needs a big friend that's like, can take care of you. So you got, if you got any problem with me, talk to Tracy down there at the end. He'll, he'll, he'll set you straight. So, so these are my five closest friends. So kind of come around a little bit in a circle. I'm going to put this rope around you and tie a knot that I just learned to tie right before first service. You could hold on to that. Yep. Let me just go around here. There you are, sir. Go around like this. All right, here are my five closest friends. Let's see if I can do this. All right. I was not a good Boy Scout, I'll tell you that. All right, that's good. Okay, so these are my five closest friends I've chosen to surround myself with. And so if these friends, um, whatever decisions they make, um, financially or health-wise or morally... I can't talk and tie at the same time. I'm sorry. Hold on. 
So whatever decisions they make, they're going to pull me in that direction. So let's say I hang out with a bunch of people who care nothing about their health at all. It's just pizza and hamburgers and ice cream all the time, right? So walk in that direction, y'all. And no matter what, with Tracy's the anchor man over there, I can't, I can't go this way. They're going to pull me in that direction. Now, come on back where we were. If I'm with a group of friends who don't share my faith, who make decisions differently than I do, who make moral decisions differently than I do, who choose to be a group of, of gossips, who choose to be a group of fools, who know the difference between right and wrong, they don't care, they live the way they want to anyway, and they're moving in that direction, and my faith is in that direction, start walking. What's going to happen? No matter how hard I try, no matter how strong I am, I'm not strong enough. And if you think, well, I'm strong enough, I've been a follower of Christ for many years, I can handle this. You aren't strong enough. You can't. No matter who you are, you are going to be pulled in the direction of your five closest friends. So if you think, well, I want to do better financially. Well, hang out with people who do better financially, make good financial decisions. I want to be healthier. Well, get around some people who can influence you like that. I want to make better moral decisions so I have less regret. Well, don't hang out with a bunch of idiots. Hang out with people who can help pull you in the right direction because you know what else happens? If these people are faithful people, and they live lives of when, when they make mistakes, they know how to correct and get back on course, and they handle their finances well, and they handle their relationships well. When they walk in that direction, guess what? I get to go too. If I, if I walk with wise people, Solomon says, their wisdom is going to pull me along, and it's going to rub off. Now, you might think, well, this doesn't happen to me. That's not me. Well, if you've ever had this statement made to you by a spouse or a parent, you might be hanging out with foolish people. Anybody ever said to you, you're just a different person when you're around them. You just act different when you've been around those people or him or her for a while. You just act differently. That's because they're pulling you in a different direction. Thank you all. I'm going to lasso some friends. Get ready. The Bible actually has a lot to say about defining friendship. In the book of Proverbs 17, verse 17, it says this, a friend is someone who accepts your friend request, follows you and likes all your posts, <laughs> so you feel good about yourself. That's from the social media version of the Old Testament. That's not true. Here's what it really says. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. You may think, well, I don't have a problem with friends. We're going to talk about friends for four weeks. I don't, have a, I don't have an issue with friends. According to the American Sociological Review, the average American only has two close friends. And 25% of you in this room have zero close friends. So I do believe in our culture we have an issue with close friendships. There's a couple reasons I think they're really on the decline. One is simply this, busyness. Everybody I talk to, hey, how's it going? Man, I'm busy. Whew, I am so busy. I got so much going on. I can't get anything done. I say that to people. How's it going? Whew, I'm busy. And my busyness 
reduces my ability to make new and meaningful connections. And so what do I do with my busyness? I make sure I schedule my kids out so they're busy too, and they can't have deep, meaningful friendships and relationships. If we're ever going to develop deeper relationships, more meaningful friendships, we have to deal with this issue of busyness in our lives. Why is it that even I can't find a time to be in a grow group unless it's taking an hour out of my sleep and doing it really early in the morning? Why is it that I can't find any other time but a time when it's like, well, I guess I won't sleep that hour and I'll go share God's word and, and, and share with a group of guys on a Thursday morning? And you probably can identify with the same thing. Our busyness reduces our ability to develop deep and meaningful friendships. I think that is the number one reason why people aren't developing deeper friendships. Why 25% of you don't even have anybody that you would call a close friend. Because what happens, you get really busy. And I can identify with this. You get really busy, you go through this long, busy time, and the times that would usually be spent with friends, you're thinking, I just need to get alone. I don't want to see people. I don't want to see anything. I just want to be alone. And I struggle with that sometimes. I'm a people person. I love being around people. I'm extroverted. I enjoy it. But there are times that I get so busy, I say no to every friend I have because I just want to be by myself. So we need to figure out a way, and we're going to talk about that. How can we conquer this epidemic of busyness in our world? How can we slow down and rest and say no to a lot of things that helps us say yes to the things that will truly change our lives. So busyness, that's number one reason. Number two reason is the explosion of social media. Like it or not, social media has redefined the meaning of friend completely. Wouldn't you have thought it odd 15 years ago to call up 500 of your closest friends and tell them what you had for breakfast? Wouldn't that have been a little weird? Of course, now, if you have a really good breakfast, you're like, man, i got to share this with everybody. This is so good. Look at that. And so you post it, and everybody sees it, and it's like, wait, hey, it looks like he had a great breakfast. <laughs> the danger in social media is not social media itself. It's the illusion of a connection that's not really there, that you don't really have. Social media can either enhance relationships or it can inhibit. And most people use it in a way that kind of distorts reality. I mean, I'm, I'm so guilty of this. So you're posting a picture online that you know a thousand or so of your friends or whoever's going to see it. Well, you're going to post your best side, right? I mean, my girls will take a picture and I'm like, whoa, 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 come here. Let me see that. Let me make sure if you took it in our living room, it looked perfectly clean and it wasn't all messed up. And I'll move stuff out of the way in the kitchen and say, now take the picture. I'm just being honest. And some people will, you'll see the post, and I, I, I know how this works. You, you'll hold the phone. If you got a double chin, you hold it up high so you don't see your chin. You look a little bit younger. Did you know that when you take the picture up there? Or you just stick the right thing out or suck the right thing in, you know, that makes your picture look great. But the problem is that's not reality. And that's the issue with social media harming our relationships. 
Not that social media is bad. It's actually a very effective way to connect with other people and keep up with friends and learn and teach. But it's never, ever healthy as a substitute for building true and lasting relationships because I can get on my Twitter feed or my Facebook page and I can make my life look like anything I want it to look like and you won't know the difference. I can't do that if you're involved in my life because you'll see the messy kitchen. If you come over, you'll see that we don't always pick up after ourselves very well, but look online, you will not find a dirty picture of my house anywhere because I fix it. And we all do that. We try to fix it up where it's not reality. There's actually a couple of university studies that talks about how social media creates this counterfeit relationship. University of Wisconsin found out this. They said that social media tends to make you dumb. Now, kids, you'll laugh at this, but parents, we still use Facebook a lot. I mean, kids are like, they moved on to whatever else is cool and trendy, but some of us are still figuring out Facebook and enjoying that and connecting with old friends. But here, here, this study was just done with Facebook. They found out that after someone looks at their own Facebook page for five minutes, it took them 15% longer to answer a simple math question. It says that's because your profile inflates your ego, which undercuts your brain's motivation to perform. True. University of Michigan said Facebook can render your life unsatisfying. The more you surf, the less satisfied you feel about life in general. It indicates that the study from University of Michigan indicates it's inevitable that some of your friends will be posting about the fun, interesting stuff they're doing and contrasting that to your own boring life to theirs, which basically Facebook forces you to do, could explain these negative consequences. Another thing about social media is it leaves you lonely. Scanning your friends' profiles increases feelings of social exclusion and invisibility. Because you're observing your buddies and not interacting with them, you feel cut off or left out, the studies suggest. And then it says, but the good news is, if you actively post things and pictures and updates and your pals like it enough, these bad feelings go away. So either way, you can't win. Social media is a valuable and wonderful supplement for friendships, but it's not ever valuable to replace them. Busyness, social media, and these two things have caused us to be less connected with other people. So in the upcoming weeks, don't miss the rest of this series. Because we're going to talk about some things that you can immediately apply to your life out of God's word that will change the face of relationships. Next week, the big driving thought is that that one friend could change the direction of your life. That happened to me. One friend changed the whole direction of your life. Also, what happened to me in the next week, we're going to talk about one community could change the direction of your life. And then the last fourth week of this series, we'll talk about how you will never live the right life with the wrong friends. So just a couple of quick things to apply this week about friendships. If you're going to rediscover the lost art of friendship, you need to make some commitments. One, I must be present to develop meaningful relationships. Friendships, true friendships over time are developed face to face, not thumb to thumb. So you really have to spend time face to face developing meaningful relationships. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, the guy that wrote that said this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now 
that the day of his return is drawing near. And that, that word, those two words, meeting together, the original language carried with it the idea of meeting together for spiritual purposes and encouragement. So I must be present with someone physically to develop meaningful relationships. I must be open with my life to develop meaningful relationships. And that means being open with your struggles, what you're really struggling with. Because think about when you're secluded, you don't tell anybody anything. When you're creating an online persona of who you really are, who you want to be, rarely do people post, I'm really struggling with self-esteem today. Most people don't say that. Or I ate like a pig over the weekend. I bet I gained eight pounds. People don't post that. But let them finish P90X. And they will take off the shirt and show the ripped body and go, look at this. We tend to do that. People are impressed with our strength. But if we want to be connected with people, we have to learn to share our weaknesses. The brother of Jesus, James, had this to say about sharing with each other. He said, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confession and prayer with another person will lead you to a, a level of emotional healing you will not accomplish otherwise. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute. You're saying don't hang out with people who are fools. Don't hang out with people who don't know the difference or know the difference between right and wrong and choose not to live the right way. Don't hang out with people like that. But didn't Jesus get accused all the time of being a friend of sinners? Yes, he did. Was he? Yes, he was. But write this down. I am not Jesus. Remember that. You're not as strong as Jesus is. They were not going to pull him in another direction. He was pulling them in a direction. And you have to decide, am I an influencer or am I influenced? And for most of us, we are influenced greatly by the five closest friends in our life. And if those are people who are walking with God, who learn how to navigate mistakes and get back on the right path, who are people we can truly and intimately share our deepest, greatest needs and desires and mistakes, those people will help you become more and more wise. Now, what about people who are far from God? Well, you have to have a relationship with them or the church would never grow and more people would never know about Jesus. But those aren't the people that you shared the deepest parts of your life with. What the Bible is clear, the deepest parts of our life must be shared with people who share our faith, who share our morals, and are walking in the same direction. If you don't do that, you will struggle with being in the company of fools and you will suffer harm. So why would you be friends with somebody that doesn't know Christ or even want to live that way? Well, because the only way you can be surface friend or small letter F friend with people like that is so you can influence them and help them get closer to Christ. But you have to keep that understanding that I want to help this person get to know Jesus. And then you have your group of friends who help you get closer to Jesus in the meantime. So we're not saying, well, don't be friends with people who don't follow Christ. Yes, get to know people who don't follow Christ, but don't let them set the direction of your life. It would be a mistake to do so, and you would suffer harm because of it. My friends 
influence my future. If we get this, our life will be on a better path. The trajectory of our life will change. And over the next few weeks, I just encourage you to come back and be with us as we explore what the Bible has to say about it. The ultimate place to start with friendship is to start with the ultimate person who wants to be our friend, and that's Christ. Listen to these words from Jesus in John 15, verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. If you're alone, if you're one of those 25% of the people, be a friend with Jesus. Start there. Now we're going to talk about, well, how do you get out and navigate those bad relationships and, and move on from them? We're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. But I encourage you this week, learn how to be a friend with Jesus first. If you don't know what that means, I'd love to meet you. If you're here for the first time also, I'd love to meet you. Come down front after the service and, and I'll talk to you more about that. And there's some other pastors that'll be down here as well. Let's pray. God, thank you for this challenging passage from King Solomon that gives us great life advice. God, may we learn wisdom from the wise. And may we learn how to surround ourselves with wise people who can help us take the steps we need to take. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.